All righty. Okay, so All right. what do we do now? <laughs> well, now we make the show. <laughs> Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about a podcast that just might be too beautiful to live. Coming to you from the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, I am champion of gender equality and Lundholm. Joining me today from the Smash the Patriarchy Studios in Linwood, Washington, is the fierce fighter Christy Wise. Hello, Christy. Hello, Anne. <laughs> so, Christy... For today's clip show, we are focusing on One and a Half Men, the occasional segment of TBTL, uh, in which Luke and Andrew discuss female-oriented topics without the benefit of a woman's input. And <laughs> I thought it was high time that some actual ladies weighed in on some of these discussions. I like this idea. However, I didn't want this to be some one-sided conversation where you and I just bash the guys for their short-sighted viewpoints, I-, I thought that we should aim for a little bit more balance than we usually get on TBTL and invite a man to provide his perspective on our perspective, on Luke and Andrew's perspective, on lady issues. And so I thought, who would be a good man for this mission? And Mike and Bobby and Jeremy are all very enlightened. They're all woke about ladies' issues, of course. But this is important. And so we decided we needed to bring in a ringer. And so joining us from Downingtown, PA, to explain it all to us is Bob. This is what a feminist looks like, Stein. Welcome back to LRV, Bob. Hi, everybody. (laughs) I had to do that. Anyway, yes, thanks, guys. And um, um, uh, I will just say that, um, not from a sexist point of view, but I'm more than willing to bash the guys as just knuckleheads. Any day, but yes, I'm excellent. Yeah, so you know, this is just part of the part and parcel of the whole thing, you know. Yeah, I think Bob is the Bob's emails after a terrible episode of TBTL is the reason we came up with the throw your phone moments (laughs) (laughs) segment. Yes, there there, one time recently, as you guys well know, I almost said I I have had it with this show and was going to, you know, just like give it up, but. Uh, you guys calm me down and I gain some more perspective. <laughs> and then, you know, I realized that um, uh, uh, Luke and Andrew are are working their way towards enlightenment and are not quite above, oh, the amoeba stage. <laughs> so you got to give them a little slack, you know. Yes. It's it's a long journey is what it is. It's very much uphill. <laughs> well, we're very excited to have you with us because I think you're going to have some good insight into these topics. Absolutely. As always, we have some things we must discuss. We'll break down today's clips because as Luke and Jen used to say, if we don't remember our TBTL history, we're doomed to repeat it. And Frankly, we frequently do repeat it these days. (laughs) Um, We'll do a little housekeeping and we'll tell you how you can get involved with the show. So 
the first thing that I want to discuss uh, is I want to catch up with Bob. Bob, you were on the show back in February of last year. Uh, for people that missed it, it was episode number 91, Casserole Playing. And I want to know what you've been up to. Oh, my gosh. Uh, a, a lot of different stuff, actually. As uh, as people who know me on Facebook know that I am a retired high school teacher. And uh, this is – I'm in my third year of retirement. God, it, it goes so quickly. But I'm doing a lot of cool things. Um, I'm um, I'm volunteering at this native plant arboretum down in Delaware, which is not too far away from where we live. And that's just really – Interesting. And I've been doing all kinds of stuff for them. And um, I'm taking accordion lessons and learning, believe it or not, uh, jazz and um, like French cafe music. And that has been just wonderful. I got this amazing teacher who's this young hotshot dude who's quite a great musician. And he's just an excellent, excellent um teacher is pedagogy is is just fabulous i'm really learning a lot and then uh my wife and i are getting ready to do a a bike trip in france this summer oh well that's why you have to learn the accordion absolutely absolutely (laughs) are you gonna take it with you uh no because uh (laughs) first of all if i brought it on the plane I'd have to buy a ticket for it, which, which a lot of, believe it or not, a lot of musicians do, uh, because you do not want to store your instrument with the baggage because it, it uh, right. what would, I wouldn't have an accordion anymore. I would have like a, um, I would have like a piece of smashed metal and, and plastic and wood. It would not be fun. So no, I won't take it. But if, uh, one shows up there, maybe I'll, uh, I'll pick it up and, and the French will point and mock me. <laughs> they probably have like accordion rental places there, right? Oh, everybody yeah. in France plays the accordion. <laughs> yes, yes. Everybody in France plays the accordion. This is true. Uh, in, in, uh, uh, yes, I don't know about that. But uh, yes, I'm sure I could probably find a, uh, a cor- accordion rental place. But yeah. We're, but we're, I, how much is bike riding and how much is France? Because one sounds awful and one sounds great. <laughs> Actually, this is a really cool company. It 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 designs the tours so that you can bike as little or as much as you want. And you basically bike through these small towns. We're gonna be in Normandy and Brittany. And we did this three years ago. We went to uh the the Burgundy region where we cycled through all these, you know, vineyards and all these small little medieval villages and stuff like that. It was really cool. And you get to see the countryside in a way you don't get to see um, when you're driving or, you know, with a tour group, you know, with a bunch of people. So it's a really cool way to see the country. Uh, There are times I'm trying to get in in shape better than I was the first time because uh, I hit a couple of hills and I was like, uh, no, I'm not doing this. So uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, I'll be able a little bit better shape this time around. But it's a great, it's great. They take care of your lodging. Uh, the the company hires local people as guides, and it it's it's just a fabulous trip. We've um, we've done two. We did one in France, and then we did one in Sicily, and it was just it was probably some of the best vacations I've ever taken. Interesting. Wow. 
You're you're making me interested. Well, the company is well. Uh, well, I'll say it. a company called VBT. V is in Victor. Uh, VBT. They used to be known as Vermont Bicycle Tours back in the 1970s, but now they, which when they just toured up in that area, but now they go all over the world, and they're a fabulous company, really good reputation. So check them out; they're quite good. Christy, does Bob's life sound more interesting than yours? Because yes. it sounds more interesting than mine. <laughs> this retirement, that's the life. Infinitely. He's like building something to save wildlife. He's biking around a country. Yeah, but you got to realize that that's only a small portion. A big chunk of my life is is working on my honeydew list. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. weeding in our yard, chasing deer away. Um, and walking the dog, you know, the kind of mundane things of, of life. It's not all, you know, I'm not sitting here eating bonbons and strewing rose petals. Um, you know, a lot of it is pretty like, you know, get up, do your usual crap type stuff. But on this time around, since I'm retired, I can do it all week long as opposed to just on the weekends. So maybe it's a little bit more leisurely. So don't be too envious, you know, especially when you see me cursing at the weeds in our yard and, uh, and uh, you know, doing other, you know, lovely things around the house that, that call for a lot of groaning and grunting and straining and yelling and screaming and stuff like that. So uh, believe me, I have my share of those. Yeah, so I think I'd you... rather be working on spreadsheet all day than doing anything in the garden. What was that? I'd rather be working on spreadsheet all day than doing anything in the garden. I understand this. I understand this. I do like working on spreadsheet. I enjoy it, but I do also like going out and uh, and uh, and gardening. It's kind of fun. I, I like it. Uh, weeding for me is kind of like a Zen exercise. It really is. So whenever I, I, I tell people that and I immediately regret it because they say, oh, do you want to come over and weed come my over yard? To my house. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> no, thank you. Nope. <laughs> yeah. um, you, we should also say that the last time you were on, one of your old students um, recognized your voice. Right. right. Do you remember this? Right. And and emailed me and wanted to be in contact with you. Yes, and I'm trying to remember if I ever emailed her back. She actually wasn't one of my students, uh, but she remembered me, and I remembered her. She was, she was, she was. I tended to teach the more. Well, I tended to teach. If you remember, Welcome Back, Cotter. I teach the sweat hogs, <laughs> <laughs> and I love those kids. I was really like, you know, I really got on with them quite well. But uh, uh, Justina, um, um, if I remember correctly, was was an honors AP type student. Oh, opposite. Yes, just definitely opposite. <laughs> but I remember her, and and um, I don't know if I ever sent her an email or not. But I I still have her email address, and uh, if she's still listening, uh, Justina, I apologize for not getting in contact. But one of these days, I will drop you a line before I leave this mortal coil. He's very busy learning accordion and how to ride a bike around a country. So he'll fit that in somewhere. Right. And uh, right. Uh, learning, uh, riding a bike while playing the accordion and, and, and juggling my dog. Oh, there you go. <laughs> my goodness. I'm, you know, I'm a, a guy of many talents. What can I say? 
And Sullivan, while you're weeding the garden, this lives, leaves you time to listen to TBTL, right? Absolutely. And um, uh, I, I, I'm going to curse Bobby Pape, but in a good way, um, only because he now has got me hooked on a new podcast. Like I need a new podcast. I've got so many <laughs> damn podcasts in my feed. It's ridiculous. I've had to eliminate some of them. But he got me hooked on Crime Town, and that is yeah. amazing. Uh, uh, it's good, isn't I, it? Uh, it's so good. I love th- th- those guys that he talked to, all the wise guys and stuff. I love the accent. I've always loved mob stuff. Just been fascinated by it. So uh, I'm getting such a big kick out of this. It, it's just, just, just a lot of fun. So yes, but yes, I listen to lots of podcasts, lots of TBTL, lots of LRB. Can't wait till that drops. I'm always salivating, waiting for that to come around. And um, uh, so yes, while definitely while I'm gardening, I'm definitely podcasting it up. Awesome. Well, let's talk about the reason we are gathered here today, and that is uh, an examination of one and a half men. And before we start listening to the the actual clips, I want to ask the two of you how you feel about the one and a half men segment in general. Do you like it? Do you ever get frustrated with it? Do you look forward to it? I mean, what are your impressions of it? Um, well, I'll I guess I'll go first. Um, Andrew summarized it in one of these clips the best where it says Luke lives in the gray and Andrew is as far left as you can go. And I find myself, well, first of all, the music gets stuck in my head, which after this episode, everyone's going to be singing this and cursing us um, (laughs) for that song. Um, I find myself always siding with Andrew Mm -hmm. and usually like, come on, Andrew, come a little bit more left. You're almost there. You're almost you're about to say it. Just, you know, don't don't feel shy. Like sometimes I think he placates Luke a little bit like uh, I can see where. No, don't see where he's coming from. He's wrong. <laughs> Come over. Um, I don't know. I just think that this whole segment is kind of funny. I guess it's a way for them to weigh in on something that's a big news story. But that's about women <laughs> in a funny way. That's that's where I come down on it. Yeah, my take on it, um, I, I have mixed feelings on it. Uh, um, uh, I, as you know, I, I didn't start listening to the show until late 2014. So I'm relatively, you know, relative newcomer to it. Um, so I haven't heard too many of these one and a half men segments. Uh, they have not seemed to have been doing it in quite a while. Matter of fact, the most recent one I think was that 2015 one, I may be wrong. Maybe they did another one after that, but, um, um, I don't know. It, it, it seems like, and I, I'm beginning to think they, they, they do this on purpose. You know, it's kind of like, um, uh, you know, on Fox news, who was the guy who was the, I can't remember his name. He was like the house liberal, like the token liberal, that they'd always bring up against like Hannity or, or, or O'Reilly, you know, and it's almost like that kind of thing. Like it's a little too staged. Um, you know, it's almost like, okay, Luke, Luke's going to take the kind of more traditional libertarian argument and Andrew's going to mm-hmm. be the feminist. And, um, it's, cause sometimes, you know, you can see Luke's making his argument, but his heart's really not in it. 
you know, because uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, but I run back and forth because sometimes Luke comes up with some statements and I think, yo, buddy, if I were a woman right now, I'd be dope slapping you so hard, your eyes would come out of your head, you know? <laughs> so, it, you know, it just, it, it's one of those segments that, that delights me sometimes, but also infuriates me. But then again, <laughs> that's TBTL. <laughs> It certainly is. I, I think that you both make some some good points. I I think that you can um, sort of see the the thought behind it. It does seem a little bit stagey sometimes, and it's like it started with them wanting to talk about a particular topic, and then realizing that that not that they are not qualified to talk about whatever they want to talk about, but you know that as as men talking about things specific to women is a little bit trickier. So they came up with this as a way of, of getting themselves off the hook. So as long as they acknowledge that it's a lady thing and they really shouldn't flap their gums about it, then then they can go ahead and flap their gums about it. But I, I do think it's funny and I think it's a good illustration of the differences between them. And I, I think you're right, Bob, that Luke oftentimes is playing devil's advocate a little bit, or sometimes he's just pushing boundaries to see what he can get away with. And it's always interesting, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I, I, I would have to agree with that. I think you're right, because uh, Luke's all about pushing the envelope, you know. So, um, yeah, I think he's trying to see if he can get a rise out of Andrew and probably, you know, Andrew stands in for the listeners, I'm sure, you know, and see if, you know, he's probably thinking, oh, boy, I'm going to get a lot of uh, emails on this one, you know. So, yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yes. And Christy, I think you're definitely right that sometimes I can I can tell that Andrew has a problem with Luke's argument, <laughs> but he's just kind of searching a little bit like he's fumbling around to be like, no, this is why you're wrong. And I'm like, yeah. come on, Andrew, you got this. Come you got, got this. <laughs> For sure. Um, well, let's get into it then. Uh, I've got a few clips here that um, all came in under the one and a half men banner that I thought were interesting. And I thought the discussions between the guys were interesting. And hopefully we can sort of uh, break down what they were talking about. But of course, as always, first, I would like to thank the archivists whose hard work made this episode possible. And they are Jeremy Auer, Christy's favorite Jeremy, Jolene Tashner, Linda Hill, and Lauren Costelli. So I, I should do this like the um, TBTL donor thank you. Oh, yeah. Isn't that <laughs> With so music underneath it? <laughs> Jeremy, Jolene, Linda, and Lauren. You're the ones who have made this particular episode possible, and we thank you from the bottom of our heart. That wasn't we need very to get good. some. We need, it was great. I think we need to get some music. Absolutely, you, you need some. A theme music for the arc. By the way, is the, a uh, one and a half men. No, sorry. As a complete aside, which of course happens all the time on TBTL, um, I don't know about you, and you can take this out or keep this in, but. Um, the Doogie Hauser theme song as a bed for the email female segment, mm -hmm. not my favorite. Yeah, oh, really? yeah. I just, I just find it annoying. Did you watch the show? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because for me, it's so nostalgic that I love ah, it. Ah, I see. 
it gets me like really excited and then now I want to rewatch that show. I I'm getting used to it. I didn't like it very much in the beginning, but I I don't mind it anymore now as long as they fade it out eventually. I mean, I guess it's how long is that music? It's like 14 minutes or something. It's long now. Yeah. But. I just wish that they would do the techno spreadsheets for everything. <laughs> I'm <laughs> with you I on love that. that song so much. <laughs> oh, I love that. I thought that was brilliant. I'm really sad my name didn't get read during that week. <laughs> See, and All that's right. the kind of thing that Luke is capable of when he gets moved by the spirit you know yeah. when he decides to make an effort and not right. half-ass everything together then he what comes you... up with brilliant stuff wasn't it two hours didn't he take two hours to do it yeah he probably spent like a whole morning yeah. <laughs> love it <laughs> great I'm, i mean seriously i'm not joking about this it's early but that is going to be my submission for song of the summer and i want everyone to back me oh on yeah definitely oh <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh my! Oh, that's brilliant! Oh yeah, I, I'll vote twenty times. I don't care. Okay, it's it's the spoiler uh, submission this year. Everyone right, vote so for it. you know how it works. You have to have a bunch of different people nominate it. It can't right. just be one person. So we have to have like fifty of us. Yes. Email Andrew. Everybody you know, do wait, it. You'll wait till the nomination period is open. But then <laughs> a whole bunch of us will email him on the first day, and we'll we'll get it in there. Absolutely. Oh, that's so funny. That's great. Yes, I think that would be. If that won Song of the Summer, I'd be very happy. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) All right, let's get into these clips. The first clip is from April 3rd, 2012. Um, This is a, a, I don't know if we would call it an on our media discussion. We might because it's about television. And in this clip, uh, Luke has an article about one of the producers of two and a half men made some controversial statements about um, women centered television shows. So let's take a listen to that and then come back. Okay. So what this guy said, uh, Lee Aronson is that um, he was said that there are basically too many uh, comedies that are, are centered on female protagonists, like two broke girls. He cited specifically apparently, and also Whitney, which is that Whitney Cummings uh, show. This is what he said, quote, Enough ladies, Mr. Aronson said. I get it. You have periods. Um, He apparently commended, this is according to the New York Times, he commended uh, female uh, writers and uh, comedians like Tina Fey and also Whitney Cummings of the uh, Whitney show. But he went on to basically talk about how he thinks that there are just uh, too many shows that are directed at women now. Too many comedies. He said we're approaching, and I'm going to say some um, some lady parts here because this is what he said, and it's in the New York Times, so it's all right. He said we're approaching peak vagina on television, uh, the point of labia saturation. Now it's it's worth mentioning, by the way, that he has written and produced on such shows as Grace Under Fire, Sybil, and Murphy Brown. It's also worth mentioning that we could call this segment peak vagina. <laughs> Um, that seems deeply offensive. Okay, sorry. Um, don't, by the way, don't Google that. I've made that mistake myself a few times. Um, so he's worked on shows that are, uh, you know, centered around female characters. Um, 
he uh, says that we've uh, you know there are too many shows that are that are aimed at women now. He says, and this is what he said also that I think made people really mad. Uh, he was talking about the problems that the main characters on his show, Two and a Half Men, which we'll be honest, is no great shakes, right? Uh, the problems that they face. He said, "quote We're centering the show on two very damaged men. And what makes the men? What makes men damaged? Sorry, women. I never got my heart broken by a man. Now that." That, I will say, is where he didn't – I don't think it's offensive. It's just incorrect. Yeah, and kind of stupid. Like like almost all of my dude friends and their problems, very few of them are related to women. Right. Like, I got, in fact, I got 99 problems. Yes, yeah, okay, indeed. Sorry. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> See, what I like to do is just go right up to the on-the-nose joke and that's not true. I just didn't think of it. <laughs> I'm just now resentful that you thought of it. Um that I mean, that's that's like acting like every guy that you know who's who has pro, who has problems and who's walking around with kind of a you know like a bad attitude or having a hard time that it's always lady related and I think it's it's very rarely lady related. It certainly happens on occasion, but I would actually argue the opposite. Most of the time, when I know when women are having issues, it's because some guy is being a doofus. <laughs> If they're if they're straight women, yeah. Either way, and like, I think guys create more problems in women's lives oh. than women creating guys' lives. Generally speaking, maybe that's true. But I mean, his whole premise is just ridiculous. Like, uh, guys never broken my heart. Yeah, it's because you're not gay, dude. Right. Like, if you were gay, a man would have broken your right. heart. And then do you just, then do you change this comment to say the biggest problem with men is right. men? Like that's just stupid. Like that's I almost yeah. I didn't even know we we're going to talk about that. That almost seems. Inconsequential. It's like the babbling of an idiot, like me. Huh. Well, here's the thing. He's gotten oh, so Martha Plimpton uh, got all mad. You know, she's on that Fox comedy uh, Raising Hope, which is actually pretty funny. I have to is say, it? yeah, it's made by the guy who made uh, uh, My Name Is Earl. Oh yeah, Greg Garcia. Yeah, who will always be my hero because do you know that during the writer strike he went and worked at a Burger King, no, undercover for like a month, and on the last, and he never told anyone who he was. And on the last day, he wrote, I know at least one of the fellow employees, if not a few of them, a check for ten thousand bucks. No way, really? and was just like, hey, it's been fun hanging out with you. I actually happen to be a really successful TV creator. No kidding. And, yeah. and my name is Earl. Was it had its moment? I never it, really yeah. watched a full episode, but it had its moments, right? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was uh, kind of in the style of Parker Lewis can't lose. Oh, I love that show. Um, so anyway, um, so Martha Plimpton, she jumped on Twitter. She said, um, "Lee, women are fifty-one percent of the population and a coveted demographic for advertisers. What are you thinking?" And then she added, "The rise of female writers and performers in television is a result of demand. So we're taking our place at the creative table." Okay, that's all sort of accurate. And fine, and then there was a, b- a bunch of other people who got mad at him. I do not think what he said was deeply offensive. He then came, ba- he he came back and said on Twitter, he said, uh, uh, he says, women, please look up irony. He said he's made a career out of jokes about the male anatomy, even as he was quote complaining about vaginas. So his point was, he's joking, he's being sarcastic, and. I feel like he's he's a guy who's worked on TV shows that have been about strong women characters. I doubt that he's a misogynist. I doubt he would have gotten as far as he has in his job if he was a jerk to, to women. I think he felt comfortable saying, geez, we've got like a million of these shows that are for women now happening on network television. We get it. You have your periods. 
I think the thing he said later on sounded made him sound really stupid, thinking that like guy problems stem from women. But previous to that, I just didn't think it was that offensive or that big of a deal. He's no Tom Likas in my mind. Like he, I don't think he was spewing anti-woman sentiment. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Maybe I won't say it's deeply offensive, but hell yes, it's offensive. And if it seems like there's a lot of TV shows based on women these days, it's only because for years and years and years since the invention of TV, there haven't been that many shows based on women. And a lot of the shows he's making fun of, I probably would hate. Like, I've never seen Whitney. And there's a reason I've never seen Whitney. I don't (laughs) want it. But the reason it's not good in my humble opinion, is not because it's about a woman. Like, that is ridiculous to me. And I know this can be a specious train of argument, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but... Replace woman with black in that, or Asian, or something. What if? What if we were talking about like? What if I don't know? It was like early yeah, but 90s you know what? and Martin is getting big, yeah, but and we're you getting know on what? those UW shows, and somebody's like, "Oh, you know what? I'm sick of all these like, I'm sick of all these black shows. We get it. Your insert racial stereotype here, like that would be deeply offensive." Yes, but on the other hand, isn't there something to the notion that sometimes there are shows that are created, like for instance, there are all these Tyler Perry shows, right? And they're aimed at African Americans. And first of all, of course, African Americans, non-African Americans have every right to watch these shows and enjoy them. But I would say, objectively speaking, those shows are crap. And they're kind of like, they're pandering and they're like, now again, I as a white guy would never be allowed to be like, we get it, you're black. But if his point is that they're making crummy shows and then passing them off on women because they think that women will be like, oh, there's there's females on this show? I'll watch it. You could make the argument that he's saying we need shows for women that are of a higher quality than two broke girls. You know what frosts me? What grinds your gears, this Andrew? Guy, <laughs> this guy produces two and a half <laughs> men. Yeah. One of the worst TV shows in the history of TV. And he's complaining about these other bad TV shows that just happen to be centered around women. Mm, the, make a that's bunch a of, really good point. There is so much crap TV out there. Only usually it's about men because everything on TV is about men except for every now and then we're finally starting to see like people like like Tina Fey is finally like kind of changing and, and but uh, nobody but see here's the thing nobody's shitting on 30 Rock because everyone has to admit that 30 Rock is pretty genius right right exactly so I, I mean but I'm reading when I say reading by the way I'm listening to a book on tape right I'm bossy sure. pants right now yes um, and I am working on the sounding words out like you told me but <laughs> I'm sticking with the audiobooks and I'm listening to bossy pants now and like the thing is like you can't Cannot take for granted the fact that, like, um, you you mentioned you mentioned earlier, like, oh, I'm sure this guy is fine to women. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gotten to where he is in his business. And I mean, obviously, that's patently untrue. Men in positions of power have treated women like garbage for. Ever and they ride. And these Are you men- basing all of this on Mad Men? <laughs> I am, um, but no, obviously that's a fact. And I mean, I guess the but thing uh, is, but the- I strongly, but we do. I feel very strongly that we do live in a very male-dominated world, and I think it's easy for guys. And I know I'm a white guy too, but it's easy for all of us to forget that. Th- Things that we don't necessarily have to fight for, women often do have to fight for. And there is a huge pay wage gap like in this country still as we have this conversation. Okay, I'm not saying everything is equal, and I'm not saying that those things don't go on. But what I'm saying is the reason that Whitney exists and the reason that – I'm agreeing with Martha Plimpton in a way. Women are the slight majority of the population in this country. By the way, that also assumes that women – only want to watch shows where there's women in them and you know and men only want to watch shows which is probably also a false premise mm-hmm. right but it's like part of why 
I mean, it's unfortunate, but part of... Well, the other thing, too, is what are you talking about? The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Right. I Love Lucy. These are some of the most famous shows and most beloved shows. Laverne and Shirley. These are centered around women. So right. We, they've been there. I mean, they've been there, but I would say the majority of, of television programming, whether you want to talk about sitcoms or broaden it out, just talk about who's dominated network news and local news for the past 70 years or whatever. But see, the problem is... Here's the thing, though. There's this notion that people have that just because something's not out there, it's because someone's trying to keep it from being out there it's because for whatever reason people didn't want to consume it in other words i love lucy was probably i'm assuming a super successful financially successful show and i'm sure that whoever made that show tried to make another show very much like it either spin it off or extend it or make a new because when you make a show and it's popular people want to start watching it uh, or people want to start paying more and more money for the advertising on it and that nothing will to me nothing will shatter a glass ceiling like a bunch of benjamins right in other words most of what you see when you're talking about stuff that's on television the stuff that gets made as movies etc is not being created because people are like, let's try to keep women down. It's being created because they're trying to make the most money they can. And for whatever reason, that's the stuff that's making the money. So, guys, despite what Luke said, I did Google peak vagina. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And let me tell you what. Nary a vagina to be found. The first six links were all links to various articles about this particular... Um, event. About Did you do an image Aronson search? Guy. I then I switched over to Google Image Search. There were some like anatomical diagrams and a whole bunch of random pictures and some pictures of Lena Dunham fully clothed. But I got all. I scrolled all the way down to the bottom and no pictures of vaginas. So there you go. Safe. <laughs> it's. Just, I just think that it's a good rule of thumb. Just don't Google it. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I couldn't help it, but I was a little nervous. I wasn't going to do it for my work computer. No, let me tell you that. Don't do it for work. Don't do it for work. <laughs> so, the central idea of this clip to me is if a man works on a quote woman-centered unquote show, does that prove that he is not sexist or misogynist? What do you think? No. It means he's getting a paycheck. <laughs> That's it. And I mean, the jobs in Hollywood are, they're very small and a lot of people wanting to be in. It doesn't mean anything about who you are. Yeah, I would have to agree. I, 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 I don't think that, that if he works on a, or, or if that guy is working on a women-centered show, uh, that, that makes him enlightened just by working on the show. I'm sure he brings his own baggage into that. He's just doing his job, as Christy said. Yeah, and the show, the two shows that he listed are terrible. I mean, he, of all of the women-centric shows, at the time, I think there was a little bit less than there are now, but he listed the two worst shows probably on TV at the time, in my opinion. Whitney got canceled right away, and that Two Broke Girls is just basically the two and a half men of ladies <laughs> it's so bad the laugh track makes me want to punch someone in the throat um <laughs> i love kat denning so i watched it for a season because i love her so much i couldn't do it mm -hmm. it's so you know, terrible what really was the defining factor for me was how much they showcase her boobs 
on the oh, show. Yeah. I mean, don't why get me is wrong. her dress three sizes too small? She has <laughs> amazing boobs, but the fact that they keep them front and center lets you know that this is not really a, an enlightened no, comedy about women in the workplace. <laughs> right? What's this woman's name again? I think I have to go Google her. Cat Dennings. Oh, only kidding. That's Cat with a K. Cat oh. with a K. With a K. <laughs> She's amazing. She's amazing. She's super funny on Twitter. She's mm-hmm. been in some great movies, but I don't know. I mean, good on her. She's making a living. She's on a regular show, but I can't. It's yeah. bad TV, so, huh, Christy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, anybody can watch whatever they want. And, exactly. You know, you may have different needs for your, for your TV, but I mm-hmm. I would agree that I don't think that it's the most thoughtful or original show out there. No. Um, so that is the first hole poked in Luke's argument, as far as I'm concerned. And the, the second thing where he gets into trouble with me in this whole conversation is that he says that just because a man isn't Tom Likas... That means that he's n- not particularly sexist or misogynist or or what he says isn't really that big of a deal. You know, because this Lee Aronson guy said something was that was relatively mild. I mean, depending on, on how you define that, then that that's, oh, that's not really that big of a deal because he's not actually um, out and out insulting women which I also very much disagree with. Yes, me too. Um, Him saying we've reached peak vagina and labia saturation because he could name two shows that had just started that season doesn't mean there's too many ladies on TV. And the fact that he got, I mean, people were really upset at him. And then a couple days later, he came back on Twitter and said, you guys, it was a joke. It was not a joke. I hate you. And I want to write, I hate you in your car in period blood. That's how much I hate this guy. Jeez. I know not to piss oh you off God. in the future. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, my take on the dude is he needs his testicles removed with a dull butter knife. <laughs> oh. Wait, wait, also, wait. I, you don't response. want to piss me off? You don't want to piss me off? <laughs> But you're gonna like maim him. <laughs> well, you know, punishment fits the crime, you know. <laughs> that's true. But that's um, true. Uh, my take was first of all, I, maybe you would, will disagree with me on this, but I think saying you know we've reached peak vagina, and his comments, you know, about uh, or uh, or peak period and peak vagina, whatever he yeah. was, or I get it, women have periods. That's what he said. Yeah. Um, um, I. It's almost equivalent to to use like some like a white guy using the n word, you know. It's it it it's tasteless. It it's hurtful, and it's obviously sexist. So I you know, uh, uh, I I just think he he had a real lapse in judgment in putting that out. Agree, and that's why he came back and pretended that it wasn't real. Yeah, I'm sorry if you guys didn't get the joke. <laughs> You guys can't take jokes. See, ladies can't take jokes. They're so emotional with their periods. Um, but I thought, <laughs> I thought that it was. This is a good thing to do all the time. Is that trade the person? So trade women for black person or gay person or minority or whatever in the sentence that someone's saying, and see if it makes you uncomfortable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If he. If, yeah. That's if, good. if he had said, you know. 
uh, we've we've reached peak black person on TV, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that would have been be... equally egregious. Well, that's what I always say to evangelicals when they're anti-gay marriage or gay anything. I say, huh, why don't we like flip this? <laughs> why don't we say women or black people or interracial marriages? Like then, then it's a test. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable, well, your answer is, or you're scared to say it, then you're wrong. <laughs> you need to rethink it. Yeah, right. Right. Well, I just loved Andrew in this Me particular too. clip <laughs> because I thought that he was very strong. As we were saying that sometimes he he goes easy on Luke or he kind of gives him the benefit of the doubt or tries to placate him a little bit. And, and this time he was like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> this guy is a sexist jerk. And I thought that that was really great. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I think Andrew's take on it was was spot on. Um uh you know, and he really he he stood his ground with pretty cogent arguments. You know, he was pretty pretty strong on that. Um the thing that drove me a little nuts is Luke made that ridiculous comment about men, you know, he said this is something Luke does a lot. He makes global statements like like I think you you know most women would agree that that or something to the effect that most women agree that men are most of the cause of their problems, and right. it's like uh, Luke, <laughs> come on, buddy, you really stepped in it on that one, you know. So you know, I I think that was also a very sexist statement and a pretty a clueless one, if not insensitive. Yeah, I think maybe he was trying to. Not make a joke, but sort of go somewhere with it or have a good turn of phrase. And I think that sometimes that betrays him. Uh, it yeah. could be. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you're giving him more credit than he's due. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe he really is a bastard. I don't know. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Well, it's... Oh, it's I would... Oh, go ahead. Uh it's really, I think, when he takes it to an economic argument that I, that he loses me for the whole thing. I mean, the stuff about how the guy, well, it's not really that sexist, whatever. But when he starts trying to take it down to capitalism and um, saying that... That's what sells or whatever. Yes. Right. It's, it's not that uh, women-centered projects are being suppressed. It's that if... that what the studios care about more than anything is money. And so if that was sold, what sold, then that's what they would provide. And I, well, first of all, um, he rejects Andrew's argument that women are underrepresented in television by citing three television shows. What do you say? Like Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> yeah. And, which was in the seventies. <laughs> right. I love Lucy and Laverne 50. and Shirley. Seventies. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay, well there's three Luke. Now let's talk about the other 10,000 shows that have existed <laughs> since the beginning yeah. of television. <laughs> but yeah. um, I, I just don't think that um, you can make this a pure capitalistic statement because it's not a pure capitalistic system. If everything was indeed driven only by money, I think that that would be a good argument. But this is really driven also by uh, rich white men who many times aren't even going to consider that women-centered shows are a possibility. Of course they're not successful. They don't even think to give them a chance to make money in the first place. 
Agree. Uh, got no argument there. <laughs> um, before we move on, I would like uh, Bob to give his score. Oh, right. This okay. is my favorite right. part. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I scored the quality of their debates and I used slightly different scales for each one. But on this one, I, I gave Luke, Luke minus five paints his bold spot and Andrew a plus 10 pretty good spoof. <laughs> So uh, yeah, Luke was definitely Luke. Luke definitely made the weak argument on this one, I think. But if you would like a very good women-centric show, um, my crazy ex-girlfriend, terrible name, <laughs> awesome show. <laughs> oh my Thanks god, to Pe- Anne. People are going to hate this uh, show by the time we get done talking about how awesome it is. It's so good, though. It is a terrible name that they even make fun of themselves, um, but they overcome the name. It's great. I'll have to check it out. Sounds good. All right. All right. Should we move on to the next I one? I think so. Let's. Okay. The next one comes to us uh, May 8th, 2012. Um, going without makeup. So let's roll that tape. Let's talk a little bit about something that I don't think is an internet hoax. And that is this tweet that this uh, well-known actress put out of herself Without any makeup, this was uh, her attempt, I guess, to kind of bond with uh, with other people who may or may not have a sort of perfect uh, skin. And it's another edition of One and a Half Men. That's a segment uh, where Andrew and I, uh, as one and a half men, or as the Gloria Stein men, or as the, what are some of the other possible names? This is what a feminist looks like. This is what a feminist looks like. So we as two guys get together and try to talk about uh, issues pertaining to uh, female kind. Her name is Anna Lynn McCord. She was on the uh, reboot of 90210. And she took a picture of herself and posted it. And she said, uh, it's her... With zero makeup on, and it's like, you know, her skin has some sort of obvious blemishes in it. And she says, I woke up this morning and decided I'm over Hollywood's perfection requirement. To all my girls and boys who've ever been embarrassed by their skin, I salute you. I'm not perfect, and that's okay with me. Now, at first blush, this is, seems like a very brave, awesome thing for her to do, I think. Now, you know, because obviously it's very... Can be very disconcerting as a person, as a boy or a girl, but in particular as a girl, when you see people who are famous and they seem so beautiful, and then you look at yourself and you think, "What is wrong with me that I don't look like them?" It turns out a lot of times they also have some zits, they also have some various, you know, things they don't love about themselves. But they're just—they have more time, money, and people working on it, not being visible to the population. So I think this is a really cool thing to do. On the other hand, and this has been pointed out, she's still stunningly hot. Is she? You know, agree. I mean, she's she's pretty. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that. Well, the criticism that I've seen of this is that it's easy to bear your soul when it turns out your soul is still pretty doable. I guess. God, are we looking for something to criticize about this? Like, so so she's still generally pretty. I'm sure she'd be happy to hear us say that. Like, but you know, I mean, I do think it takes a lot. I think it takes a lot of cojones. Can we say that on the show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll have to cut that out for the weekend. Yeah, do. Um, 
I, I think it we takes can a, say truck nuts, but we can't <laughs> say cojones. I think it takes a lot of moxie to do this, and maybe, maybe not tons. And I mean, the whole point is, it shouldn't take a lot of moxie to do this, right? Like anybody should. We all post photos of ourselves looking pretty normal on our Facebook pages and stuff all the time without makeup. I know you don't. I don't ever. And and yeah. what's sad is the pictures you see on Facebook of me. Those are the ones that I was like begrudgingly okay with. Those represent the top third of the photos, which is deeply upsetting. No, I, I... If you think about what the bottom two-thirds must look like. Listen, I hate photos of myself. I'm really protective of them, and I actually don't post that many of, of myself on Facebook and stuff, but... Um, what about the photos where you're tilting your face up to the ceiling so that your face isn't in the picture? Oh, yeah. That, when did I do that to you? Not to me, but uh, you were showing me pictures of... Uh, oh, that was, was my like, that high school photo, right? Yeah, right, it was like... Right, it sounded uh, like that was right. a thing you did right. in your youth. I mean, I guess... I'm sorry. Just to come back to this, though, I'm not sure exactly... What so she should have done nothing? I don't know. Or? I'm just all I'm saying is I'm just all I'm telling you is that I, there were a number of comments that were saying they weren't like mad at her. They were just saying this would be braver if she didn't actually still look really cute. I, like I, I she guess. looks like a very cute person. She also has some blemishes. And I guess I guess I'm just wondering like if there's anything not to make her a bad person. I don't think anyone's trying to say she's a bad okay, person. Yeah. But like, why don't you just leave her alone? Leave Annalyn alone. No, I mean, I think this is a really nice thing. I guess what I'm saying is, like, this is a really brave thing of her to do. This is, like, for her probably professionally a little bit, a little bit daring, too, because it's, like, as a woman who works in this kind of TV, it's, like, your sense of how, you know, attractive you are. Especially a a show like that. A big part of your, like, selling point. But I guess it's, like, it reminds me a little bit of. And this is now going to sound like a dick thing to say, but it reminds me a little bit of like a girl who's not fat at all being like, I'm getting so fat. Right. And they hold out like this tiny thing when, and you're like, and you're like pinch this and you're like, that's skin. They're like, right. no, it's not. I'm totally getting fat. And you're like saying to yourself, girls who really are getting fat, they never do that. Right. <laughs> they never hold out their pooch to be like, pinch this because it's like they're actually getting fat. Right. So I don't, I don't get that from this. I also don't. Um, and God, I mean, what I'm. In defending her, I feel like I keep on coming really close to being like, what do you mean? This woman's ugly. I don't think that she's ugly. I think that I, think I do think it's she's interesting fine. that I think you're not, not particularly attracted to her. I don't I don't think that's the most flattering photo in the world, which is the point. Like, I think I think it's fine. Like, it looks like her hair is her hair is did. Right. Like, but it's also not like all fancy or anything. It looks like a kind of a normal girl picture, mm-hmm. uh, a normal person picture. And I and, you know, and so I think that's fine. And, I, you know, I'm glad she did it. I don't think that she deserves a medal for doing it. But, yeah, I'd like to see more people do it. Mm hmm. OK, so the gist of this is that actress Anna Lynn McCord, she was from the reboot of 90210. And this happened peak. Like she was, if you watch the show or if you are in the demographic that likes the show, she was the peak person. This wasn't just some C-list actress doing this. So this was a pretty big deal for her to be doing it. Oh, like she was a central character? Yeah, she was the main character um, of the show. Um, And kind of like the sex symbol and um, stole all the boys. Um, (laughs) If you watched it, I mean... I didn't watch it, of course. Just kidding. I totally watched it. (laughs) Um, She makes a statement by um, posting a picture. I think it was on Instagram or Facebook or all of her social media showing her natural self. And um, Luke said it. uh, Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Except it would have been more impressive if she wasn't actually attractive. Yes, I, I think I wrote down the quote. 
that he said it's easy to bear your soul when your soul's still pretty doable. Classy Luke. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> and I loved Andrew's um Andrew's comeback to it is it shouldn't take Moxie to put up pictures of yourself in your natural state. Mm-hmm. And then Luke, of course, said she'd be braver if she wasn't cute. <laughs> I I just, I mean, she and any woman that's a model or, you know, even down to just everyday women, right? Um, us normies. We get judged on our looks every single day. Yeah. So... Uh, Luke getting a zit on, I mean, remember when he got a zit before the picnic and it was like a huge deal and that's all we talked about for three episodes. <laughs> this is a woman who every day spends hours in the makeup chair so that she can do a couple minutes of TV and she's judged for that every single day of her life. And she put this up where she's not perfect. I love when celebrities do that or they do hey this is the actual picture that was taken of me before they airbrushed out my arms <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or my thighs or everything about me um i think it was i think it was brave of her yeah i i don't know i, I what i think the overall um idea is that women are judged relentlessly on their looks and, and, you know, if they're not at their best all the time, um, they're dismissed or, or, um, uh, ridiculed and, and that's unfortunate. So I guess I, I, I kind of agree that, you know, if this actress, um, you know, was saying like, Hey, you know, this is what women look like every day, you know, when we're not stepping out into the world, when we're home and just hanging out, um, maybe you should take a look at this and just see, and, you know, <laughs> adjust your expectations accordingly, you know, cause this is reality. Um, so, um, I really thought my take on the whole thing was, was Luke kind of was interested in this story because he is so concerned about his own appearance and mm-hmm. so insecure about it. So it seemed to him, um, somehow I think he was injecting himself into the situation. That was my take. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I, I, you know, I, you'd have to kind of like ask Luke himself, but you know, he mentions his own, you know, he curates his fa- you know, at the time he was on Facebook, he curates mm-hmm. his Facebook photos. Um, um, you know, to, and, and he's not, happy with the ones that are up there anyway. So, you know, I think this is tying into his own insecurities about his own look. So, um, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't, I can't hold him to a real high standard on this one. I think, you know, he, he, his comment about her being pretty was a little superfluous, you know, it, it, it yeah, it, 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 but hey, look, I think my wife is beautiful, but you know, there are days, you know, when she's not feeling well or, you know, and I'm the same way, uh, you know, I, we ain't looking our best, you know? So it, it's, <laughs> it's just, that's what it is. That's just, you know, being a human being. So, um, um, 
I I I thought what she did was a, as a good thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially because she is a role model for teenagers. This show was for teenagers. It was on the CW or whatever, and teenagers look at teenage girls look at that and think, "I could never look like that." And what she's doing is putting it out in the world, like, "Hey, I look just like you," but people, professional people, make me look like that, and. I th- I thought that it was great. I think that um, right after this came this Instagram thing called, it was like hashtag I woke up like this and celebrities who definitely were wearing makeup would <laughs> post pictures and say hashtag I woke up like this, which is the exact opposite of what she was going for. And I think even more damaging. Yeah. Yep. I. It, it's really interesting to get excuse me it's very interesting to get luke's perspective on this because he clearly does understand about the pressure that we put on people and women in particular to always be looking good or looking attractive um, when they're in public or in pictures or anything Um, i don't think that he fully understands um, the pressures on women but uh but he does he does have some knowledge. Obviously, his own insecurity about his appearance is um, is a signpost for that. But what I think is really interesting about this is that it, he does say, well, it's not a big deal for her to do this because she's just so naturally attractive. He just doesn't understand the whole um, sort of subjective nature of attractiveness. And I'm sure she looks at herself in the mirror sometimes and goes, ugh. She doesn't look at herself and be like, yeah, I'm naturally attractive, so I could put my picture up. And so Luke's like, I'm ugly, so I can't do it. But she's pretty, so she can. And he (laughs) is totally unaware that he's just a perfectly attractive person. And it's not any different for her. And the idea that she wouldn't have the same insecurities or issues with her body that he has with his um, I think that's where he falls short in this whole story. Oh, I like that take. Yeah, I, I like that. Mm-hmm. That's 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 pretty neat. I did not consider that. That's that's good. And Ander, of course, is extremely empathetic to her about this. I I love when Luke introduces the the story, and Andrew says, "God, are we looking for something to criticize about this?" Yes, really. <laughs> like really. Yeah. <laughs> right. But but sort of him growing up as a as a fat person or I mean, I don't know. He talks about fat Andy a lot. I, I've never seen any pictures of him, so I don't know how how true that statement is. But but he clearly had a lot more body issues growing up than Luke. So that makes him, I think, a little bit better able to understand the global picture of all of that. Yep, for sure. And for someone that's um, doing an amazing job of this recently, you can see Alicia Keys on The Voice. She decided to never wear makeup. Yeah, that's and, interesting. And to, um, she just lets her hair be natural. She doesn't wear any makeup. And oh, for TV, that's pretty great. I mean, because even men, men wear makeup because the cameras are so terrible and unforgiving um, that her just going natural it's it's amazing and i wish more people mm-hmm. would do that yeah oh yeah luke had that big um dilemma remember <laughs> when he was going to be on the morning show 
and he couldn't decide whether he should put on makeup before he went to the studio or not. Right. And also, the main reason Luke left Facebook was because people were putting up photos he didn't like of himself. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Because uh-huh. anyone can put up a picture and post and post you and link you in it, right? Or tag you in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, vanity, thy name is Burbank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, so, Bob, give your score for this particular clip. Well, I, I, I think I gave Luke minus points only for, you know, the fact that he was not able to kind of see from her point of view. So I gave him minus one bald laser helmet and Andrew made kind of a, his heart was not in this. I don't think so. I gave him plus two tall ships. Definitely. The laser helmet is appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right, let's move on to the next clip. Um, I have to scroll down. Uh, This clip comes to us uh, April 7th, uh, 2014, Um, and this is a discussion they have about whether it's ever okay to accuse a woman of getting emotional during discussion. So let's roll clip. This guy, Michael Hayden, was on Fox News, and he was talking about Nancy Pelosi. And Hayden used to be the head of the CIA and the NSA at different times. And um, he was saying that Nancy Pelosi was getting emotional about the about going after the CIA and, uh, over the, um, uh, you know, the torture of uh, of these uh, targets, you know, typically uh, people that were supposed to be terrorists or whatever. And uh, well, Cookie Roberts was upset this morning about the about the very mention of somebody being emotional about the, the, the Michael Hayden saying this is, you know, this woman. And he didn't say this woman. He just said Diane Feinstein is getting emotional. Uh, and I was wondering if we could. Just to quickly uh, get the, the panel of one and a half men together. Uh, Walshki, is it ever is that is that just um, is that automatically an insult that is sort of gender based or can you say and I'm not by the way I I don't think that Diane Feinstein was getting emotion overly emotional if anything uh, she lacks emotion sometimes I say this as somebody who has interviewed her like a couple of times which isn't the I don't know everything about her as a person but she is not a ba- an emotional person in my experience of talking to her so I don't actually think that that that, that criticism of her was as accurate I think she has a really good point in terms of what, what went on but can you ever say, like, a, a politician who's a female or a person who's a female you work with, can you say, ah, they were getting a little emotional, or is that always a diss? Uh, can you ever? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a scenario where it's pretty obvious if somebody's getting overly emotional, somebody's screaming and yelling in the office place, whether that's a man or a woman, I think it's okay to say, yeah, that person's getting over-emotional, and if it's a woman, I don't think anybody's going to accuse you of sexism. But, like, I mean, do you want to talk about whether you can ever say that or, like, yeah. how that went down in this case? Because in this case, I, there's no, I mean, I definitely think that he was trying to undermine her argument by kind of, like, saying it was emotional, and, like, her, the actual, the actual statement that she, that she said, and this is a quote i'm looking at it here she was talking about um uh she was talking about the um the interrogation program or whatever she said that she uh, the, uh declassifying the report would quote ensure that an un-american brutal program of detention and interrogation will never be considered or permitted again um 
I mean, I think you could hear any opponent of this kind of interrogation technique saying that. I mean, if you just close your eyes and gave me that quote, I don't know, could it have been Obama or a Democrat running for president or, or McCain, any, it could have been anybody or, or or McCain, right? Um, and I think I don't think there's anything that's like especially emotional about it. I mean, it's descriptive and it is, you know, it is definitely opinionated, but like it's not like emotional. She wasn't breaking right. down, and I think that yeah, you say something, you say, oh, she was being emotional. Whether he was saying it consciously or unconsciously on Fox News, um, which is a pretty safe place to say something yeah. like that, like, yeah, I think that he was, you know, he was definitely undermining her by the kind of being like, oh, she was getting emotional. And there is some sexism there, I would say. I actually wish that, I mean, I thought her statement was fine, but I would be fine if she did get emotional because it's bullshit what, what is alleged to have gone on, including... But, but all she of can't, the though. I mean, that's what we've learned. Like, can you imagine if she actually did get emotional? Then it would be totally written off. Like, oh, these. No, women. but what I'm saying is, like, if somebody was getting emotional over, let's say, the civil rights movement in the '60s, if somebody was standing in the well of the Senate and saying, "We cannot continue to have a society where people are not treated equal based on the color of their skin," and they started crying, be they a man or a woman, I feel like we'd look back and we would say, like, that was exactly the time when you should be getting emotional like i this idea that emotion doesn't have any place in how we make laws um i think with for certain issues i mean of course i guess there is there is a problem in that something will happen and then we will get really emotional about it and then we will pass laws based on that emotional feeling i don't know i guess this to me seems like one when you've got a country and sorry this is like a weird soapboxy thing to throw in at the end of a podcast that's been largely uh, about um uh, hardcore puttering and uh grand theft auto 4 but hodor I feel like, <laughs> I feel like you know, um, if if there's a thing to get uh, emotional about, this is definitely it. When you're talking about a country that has a bunch of people who've been waterboarded and are being who are hung, on hunger strikes often, who are being held in a place Guantanamo, who we agree as a nation are not terrorists, and we can't release them because we think there's too much red tape. That is like. That to me is 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 a level of of sort of inhumane treatment of human beings. It's just I don't think you can get too emotional when you're talking about how bullshit that is. And then the fact that the CIA and the NSA apparently lied about how useful the information was. They're like, well, we are waterboarding the shit out of these people. But the good news is they're just giving us all this good intel. And it turns out, no, they weren't. I mean, according to this uh, report that's you know been released or about to be released by Diane Feinstein's committee. I don't know. I just. Uh, I don't think her getting emotional here would be such a bad thing, man or woman. I, I mean, the way you put it, yes. But I mean, again, everything happens in context, and I, I think that that is that is something that, especially if it happened in the '60s and even today, I mean, that's kind of the the problem. Like, if a woman does get emotional, though, people will just write it off, and that will become the story. Just like, oh, you know what I mean? Hillary Clinton cried, or uh, or, or or Feinstein, or whatever. But and so, so then like, the answer. I, but so then the answer is for the women to not be. Uh, able to be human beings, you know, like if John McCain cries, I know John Boehner gets grief for crying over like nothing, but I feel like if John McCain, for instance, started talking about torture and he started crying, nobody would say like, oh, John McCain's being a drama queen. It would be like, look at this great American man who's so moved by the plight of these people. In fact, I wish John McCain would fucking cry about this because maybe that would like become a media story and maybe somebody would go like, yeah, we should not be doing this to people and also we should like figure out a way to get these people out of Guantanamo. 
Right. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. But yes, there is a double standard about that. If John McCain cries um, on the floor of the Senate, it is going to be a lot different than if Dianne Feinstein cries on the floor of the Senate over the same exact issue. And it's going to be treated completely differently. But so does that mean that Dianne, but but aren't we just, but then aren't we just basically uh, as a society uh, letting these, the stereotype uh, prevail by just saying, sorry, Dianne Feinstein, your job, it's all like saying to an African-American, you have to be better. You know, you have to be 150 percent of what a white person is being as opposed to just saying, hey, let's try to get it so that everybody's equal. And an African-American person is supposed to be the same. You know what I mean? Like, are not we just asking the Dianne Feinsteins of the world to have a different standard for their behavior because of some dumb stereotypes about women? I, I don't know that that is necessarily the... I mean, what, what do you suggest? I mean, yeah, we need to have conversations like this. We got to like kind of get more and more people to kind of like acknowledge their internal bias on things, even good people who are not racist or sexist as a label, but realizing that we all have these like uh, prejudices and stuff like that. But I don't know that kind of as somebody who is in the, the, the chambers of power, who's actually trying to get something done aside from just kind of combat um you know, gender prejudice, what anybody needs to do to do their job is acknowledge the proper way to act. And if somebody's going to say, hey, listen, I need to get this bill across or I need to get this document declassified or whatever it is, you say you're a politician, you say, what is the most compelling way that I can get my colleagues on my side and the American people on my side and all that stuff? And now I'm not saying that like every time somebody sheds a tear, it's calculated. And if you don't shed a tear, it's calculated as well. I mean, people are who people are. But yeah, I would say that if you're a if you're a female lawmaker and you've made it to, to the height she's made it, you don't do that not realizing that certain things are um are traps which would be getting so emotional let's say on a campaign trail over an issue you would probably turn off voters that's horrible and we should have those conversations but like i don't think that it's on the shoulders of like you know um women politicians to cry so that they can fight off this prejudice you know what i mean yeah I don't well, know if what you're saying is really like – I guess what I'm saying is I don't know if what you're saying is practical. Yeah, I mean it sucks, but I, I don't think that people should go out of their way just to kind of keep on acting in ways that would support stereotypes. Yeah. The first thing I want to ask you guys is how do we pronounce her name? Is it Feinstein or Feinstein? Because Andrew did it one way and Luke did it the other way, and I'm confused. Uh, I'm not sure. I think she says Feinstein, but I'm not real sure on that one. Yeah. That's what I thought too, but I think it was Luke saying Feinstein. And then he talked about how many times he'd interviewed her. And I was like, well, he would know, wouldn't he? Yeah, Yeah, you would think. And he also, he he introduced, didn't he introduce her as like Nancy Pelosi or something? Yes, he did. He misspoke (laughs) initially. I got so confused by that. No, but it was definitely Diane Feinstein. Um, all right, so what do we think about this? Was is it okay to accuse a woman of getting emotional? No, absolutely not. I think it's always. I think the word emotional is a gendered insult all the time. Right, whether you're a man or a woman. Yeah, it, it, if if a man's called that, it means he's being feminine for sure. And usually the term is if a man and a woman said the same thing in the same tone of voice with the same amount of passion, the woman would be called emotional and the man would be called passionate or opinionated every time. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree. I, I, I think that was, um, that was a ridiculous statement. Um, uh, you, you, you shouldn't call it. It's loaded language. You shouldn't call anybody that, um, you know, you, you might say they made a very strong point or they have, you know, they have strong, um, um, convictions about something, but you don't accuse them acute or call them emotional. It's, it's, it, it's belittling language. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's clearly meant to dismiss them. I mean, we saw this in in um, the election, right during during the um, debates. Oh, Hillary's getting very emotional about this. Meanwhile, Trump's like baby, ta- you know, having little fits on Twitter. I mean, <laughs> or rolling his eyes or sulking. I mean, so he's fine. He's just being passionate and to his point. But she's emotional if she does the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that men are allowed to be emotional about. When Luke brought up the example of John McCain, if John Mm -hmm. McCain went on the Senate floor and started talking about torture and he was emotional and everybody Mm -hmm. would be fine with that. Well, as Andrew says, context, context is everything. I think uh, because he went through five years of torture He's allowed to get passionate about it. But I think in general, men are allowed to be passionate about their experience in like war or I would say any kind of violent conflict. Like if you were a police officer and you could get emotional about that. Um, And I think men are allowed to get sort of emotional about their families because that's the nice little, oh, look, he's just a Mm -hmm. softy on the inside. He loves his family or soldiers coming home. Exactly. Always get me. Brotherhood. Men are are allowed to be emotional about brotherhood, but um, women are very much dismissed for being emotional. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes me really mad. (laughs) So mad about this. Um, Well, I thought there's some um, newer examples of like also who's saying the message, right? Like Chuck Schumer recently cried about the Muslim ban, Mm -hmm. and he was mocked by the right saying that he was lying that he was acting whereas when i was watching him speak i was moved by it and it's all who's saying the message right mm-hmm. um i never true. thought that he was being insincere insincere or lying or trying to get people worked up um also obama crying over school massacres i thought that was very about him crying about sandy hook while he was talking about it and getting choked up but um gun gun control people thought Again, he's lying. He's over emotional. Right. Um, he's weak. He's weak. Yep. Hmm. Well, again, Luke loses me when he tries to make this an academic argument because his whole point for this thing was, well, but women ought to be able to speak emotionally without judgment. And I was like, well, no shit, Sherlock. I mean, call me when right. we're going to the pet store to pick out our unicorns, because that's a world that I'd love to live in. We should. And women should be represented equally in the Congress and the government on the TV. <laughs> exactly. But that's not the world that we live in, no. as Andrew points out. I that was an, this is one of the ones where I was really rooting for him because I could see him sort of working his brain around what the right rejoinder was to it. And I was like, come on, Andrew, you got it. <laughs> because 
he just kept saying, well, yeah, that would be great. But this, this is the real world. And that um, Diane Feinstein sort of standing on principle and um, letting her emotions flow or whatever, uh, that's not going to be respected and it's not going to get her point across and it's not going to get any legislation passed because the floor of Congress is not the place where women can make those changes because there are just too many traps and too many minefields. Right, right. Yeah, I think they, they you know, it's almost, it almost locks them into, you know, I think, uh, what was it, Luke was saying that D Diane Feinstein is normally a pretty unemotional person. You know, she's pretty straight ahead and straightforward when she's talking about stuff. So, uh, you know, the, uh, jobs like political representatives, uh, um, I think, um, really lock you in to that kind of male behavioral standard, you know, for a woman. So, you know, they, and, and they must feel the pressure that, you know, they have to maintain this, um, um, uh, demeanor all the time. Yep. So, Christy, I want to ask if it's okay. Have you ever gotten emotional in a work situation, and how did it? How was it received? Oh my gosh! Um, if you tell yours, I'll tell mine. <laughs> I have so many. I think I've just <laughs> always. Um, I think. Oh my gosh, the one that I remember the most. I was a host for Tony Roma's A Place for Ribs, and. Um, is that they, the full name? You can't just say Tony Robas. You have to I say Tony Robas a place for ribs. You <laughs> <laughs> always do. Um, um, and I was a host and it was a busy Friday night. It was a crazy location there. We were always packed out and being a host is a really, really tough job. But I always said that as soon as I clocked in, I lost 50 IQ points um, <laughs> because you kind of have to be dumb and everyone treats you like you're an idiot. And um, you have to lie a lot like, oh, yeah, five to 10 minute wait, um, even though you can't judge those things. Anyways, they just the restaurant manager hired one of his friends who was just a barfly guy that hung out all the time. And he was the second host because it was so busy. We had to have two. And instead of actually working, he would just hang out in the bar and talk to all his friends. And what you needed was someone to greet people and someone to run, run the people back. And I, I just was standing there and it was overwhelming. And the manager came and yelled at me because people weren't getting sat fast enough and there was empty tables. And I just said, well, why don't you tell that to Rick? Look at him over there. And then he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No need to get emotional. This is, you know, oh. if you can't, if you can't handle this job, then, you know, maybe you should go work somewhere else because we're going to get busy, but there's no need to get emotional about this. That's terrible. Yeah. So that's a bad one. <laughs> and then did you kick him in the nuts? <laughs> <laughs> no, I left soon after that. <laughs> Boy, we're a violent bunch here today. You know, no, right? <laughs> Well, my story uh, comes from working at the University of Minnesota, and Christy and I uh, have talked on and off about the whole open environment workplace, <laughs> yes. you know, where nobody has their own offices or cubes, and it's, and it's a, just a big open space with, like, low walls, maybe. And we were in the act of 
sort of planning the conversion to that. And they had the upper management had not asked for our opinion on that at all. They had not sort of sought out any input from the people who would have to work in that environment. And um, I, I wasn't very happy about it being an, an introvert. I just mm -hmm. sometimes I need to be able to get away and have my own space. But I have a, a friend who is not an introvert. She, in fact, is an extreme extrovert. But she objected to this on the grounds of dignity. And she said, I'm a professional engineer. I worked very hard to get here. And I think that I ought to be able to have walls in my goddamn cube. <laughs> and so she and I had had a number of conversations about how we weren't in favor with this. And then she brought it up in a meeting where the director of the department was when he was talking about this transition. And she was like, you know, I have some thoughts about this that I want to share. And so she said her piece and then nobody else was saying anything to support her. All the other engineers, all guys, by the way, were all kind of sitting there looking at their hands like, uh. and I felt like I would be a real hypocrite if I didn't speak up mm -hmm. and support my friend after we'd had these private conversations. So I, I, I said, and I never would have said anything. I never would have brought this up, but I felt that it was important for my integrity to say something. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not really in favor of this either. And my director just immediately shut me down. He was like, whatever, I don't care. You're not yeah. important. And he just kept saying that my concerns weren't valid. And I got so angry and so frustrated that I started to cry not because he was mean to me but because I was so upset that I finally mm -hmm. you know stood up for once that I finally said this is how I feel and this is what I need and I was told that it didn't matter I got so mad that I started crying and he was like oh my god and then it was me and him and like a dozen engineers all sitting in the room, dead silent, and they had no idea what to do. Oh, no. And I was sitting on the far side of the room from the door, and it was a very crowded room. So if I had left, I would have had to get up and be like, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. <laughs> and I couldn't, I just felt like I couldn't do that. And I didn't have yeah. any Kleenexes. So I just sat there for the rest of the meeting, like, <sighs> every once in a while. <laughs> it was just, it was awful. Th that I also anger cry probably more than I sad cry and it's the worst I feel like I'm betraying myself yes because crying in the workplace or crying in front of anyone means you're weak right yes mm -hmm. and it's the worst because I'm like I'm not weak I'm super angry and I want I to know. kill you right now <laughs> <laughs> and instead of killing you I'm crying <laughs> these tears are saving your life pal <laughs> yeah. you have no idea <laughs> But of course, that nothing changed. They went and made the the open plan workspace anyway, and I hate it. And it yeah, just I'll, is what it is. My <laughs> voice rate, my voice rate now is the number one reason why open space is terrible. We all just keep giving each other the same cold and flu over and over and over again because you don't have the you don't have the cut off. Everyone, it's just like a big germ factory. Yep. Yep. So, Bob, you were a teacher. That's an emotional environment. Have you ever gotten, well, not emotional, passionate. Have you ever gotten <laughs> passionate in the workplace? Oh, yeah. Well, especially as a younger teacher, I, I would lose my temper a lot. I, I learned after a while that, you know, 
Um, <laughs> you win more flies with honey than you do with shit, as they say. Sure. And um, I, uh, but I remember early on, I would like, I, I was like a Nazi in the classroom. I'd scream and yell. It was ridiculous. You know, first of all, you know, most of my kids towered over me. I'm like five foot six, you know, 166 pounds soaking wet. So, you know, it, it's, it, it, it was ridiculous for me to do that. But, um, um, I always felt bad afterwards. And a lot of times I would come back and apologize to the kids. I'd say, you know, I'm sorry that I lost my temper at you yesterday. Uh, you know, I was just upset about certain things that were happening and, you know, I really don't like to act that way. I think the kids really appreciated that, you know, that I was able to do that. But yeah, I, um, 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 I learned to like kind of crunch down on that and use humor more. And that was way more effective, you know, than letting your frustration kind of just boil over like that. Because in a teaching environment, you can get frustrated very, very easily with, with many things, with your coworkers, with the administration, with your students. It's just easy to kind of, to lose it. And it's, you know, it's, it, it's just not, it's not very professional. And I don't think it really, um, uh, it, 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 it doesn't help advance, your purpose in being there. That's for sure. I don't know. I always kind of respected a teacher that would lose it every once in a while. I mean, if they were the teacher that was yelling and screaming all the time, that was not helpful. But if it was somebody that got upset about something pretty rarely, and then it happened, I, I think I appreciated that I could tell that they cared, which I, I think you don't always see as a student that your teachers care about you. I think the vast majority of teachers do care about their students, but you know, kids are dumb. You don't realize that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, um, I think it, it, it's a kind of different world now. Um, it, 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 if you yell at kids now, they'll just turn you right off. <laughs> you know, I mean, they'll like, like literally they'll like, they'll just forget you, you know, I mean, you're, you're really it, in, in the past you could do it, you know, and the kids would be quiet and they'd be looking at you and stuff like now that they'll just ignore you. It's a different environment. So that was the other thing, you know, it just, it, it wasn't really effective uh, in as time went along as I, you know, as I was teaching, but I, I stopped doing that, you know, four or five years it's amazing it took that long into my career that I uh, <laughs> I stopped with the uh, the outbursts. You know, everyone so I would get frustrated. I would show it, to, you know, to them, but I would try not to like really raise my voice too much. You know, uh, you know, I I do it in some way that they knew that <laughs> Mr. Stein was not happy with them. So, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, and you said that you you taught the the sweat hawks, yes. right? So, um, I'm sure that they got yelled at a lot at home all throughout their life. Yes. So it probably wasn't as effective. No, not with those kids. And, and, and they, the thing is, is somebody once said this, I can't remember. He said, he said, you learn from the teachers you love, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I think that's very mm -hmm. true. Um, so what I learned is, is if you showed them that you respected them and that you could, kind of like let your guard down a little, you know, a little bit and joke around with them and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, 
that went a long way with those kids. And, and I, you know, I really, I really like that type of kid because they're, they're so out there and honest, you know, um, they'll tell you to F off or they'll, <laughs> they'll tell you what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I remember one time I was doing some lab experiment and it didn't go well. And <laughs> this one kid looked at me and he goes, good planning, Mr. Stein. <laughs> I was like, thanks a lot, you know? Thanks, just thanks a lot. But, you know, I mean, they're, they're just like right right out there, you know? So uh, uh, it, 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 I, I really appreciated their honesty. And it, I think that I, I was a better teacher because I was a lot calmer and a lot more, you know, uh, you know, trying to give them a place, an environment. It's like, you want to come to my class because we're going to have some fun and you're going to learn a little science along the way, you know? So I think that worked pretty well with that type of kid. So what you're saying is that Diane Feinstein should have joked around with Michael Hayden. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm saying those are my exact words that you put in my mouth. They're your words, not mine. <laughs> I may quote Melissa McCarthy as Sean Spicer. <laughs> so what score are you going to give this particular Well, clip? this one, I think they were pretty equal. You know, Luke was making more the, uh, you know, the academic argument, as he said. And Andrew made his points pretty well. So I gave, I gave them equal points. I gave Luke a plus one techno geeks with spreadsheet and Andrew a plus one Hodor. good ones all right should we go to the next one this is our last one okay this comes to us from march 12th of 2015 um persistence and consent in dating let's listen to it first speaking of uh shaming we saw this story yesterday uh a uh a a woman who is identified uh by her youtube uh, account doe eyes um, decided to take to YouTube recently to tell a boy who apparently likes her daughter that his persistence in pursuing her daughter was was not cool. The way this is being described on the internet is that this woman did an amazing job of of uh, of sort of explaining the idea of consent. So here's the tape from this woman, Doe Eyes, and decide for yourself. Dear boy who likes my daughter, you like my daughter. She's smart cool, beautiful, very thoughtful, an all-around great girl. What I don't like is how you treat her. Are you confused? You probably picked up from society messages about how when you want something, you need to try harder, go at it, do whatever you can to get it. Don't give up. Maybe it's for this reason that you repeatedly ask my daughter out in the halls, on the bus, and you write her poems. If her response was, I don't know, then I'd say give her space to figure it out. If her response was maybe, then I would suggest a conversation about her feelings of uncertainty. And if her response was, ask me again later, then go ahead, ask her again later. But her responses have been, no thanks, stop asking me, no, no, go away. She's saying no. Person who likes my daughter, this goes for all aspects of your life. If someone tells you no in any way and you ask again, it's not cool, it's not attractive, it's not respectful, it's harassment. My daughter has the right to change her mind and the ability to let you know she does. Until then, I expect that you do not ask her out, do not suggest a relationship, do not talk to her about her discomfort with you pursuing her. Leave her alone. Instead, you can journal your thoughts, talk to a trusted friend or adult, Think about ways that you can show respect to others and practice them. Sincerely, 
doe eyes. Boy, nothing really brings home the gravity of the situation like the person signing off sincerely doe mm-hmm. eyes. Right. <laughs> you know, um, anyway, the question uh, on the table is, is is persistence. And we're going to talk about it, I guess, in terms of, you know, guys being persistently interested in women, even though this can play out in a whole bunch of different directions. Uh, is that is that charming or is that uh, harassment time to. Time for our, our one and a half men. <laughs> See, I've never seen you dancing to the music yeah. before, Walsh. You like but this now new I can. Skype setup? Not not that much. <laughs> you uh, use it to flick me off, like you did yesterday. <laughs> I did do that yesterday. I use it to That's dance for point. you. That's a good point. Uh, this is where uh, Andrew and I, uh, two guys, <laughs> talk about uh, female-oriented issues, um, which we are grossly, grossly underqualified uh, to do. I think that her the um, I think that most of what uh, this uh, mother Doe Eyes said I think is pretty logical and makes a lot of sense. There was two things about this that I had a little bit of a problem with. I don't necessarily think that this needed to happen on YouTube. I feel like this is, and you even noticed because you looked this woman's YouTube channel up. She has like you know YouTube videos of her braces being put on. This is the mom we're talking about. She has. It felt to me like, again, the guy who's saying this to you is sitting in an office somewhere recording himself talk to his buddy and then giving it out to people and saying, you should listen to this. So I don't really have a leg to stand on in this, but it feels to me like this mom wanted to make a YouTube video that would go, quote unquote, viral. And yeah, she I saw mean, this she's as an opportunity. Blogger. I mean, that's – I just didn't yeah. – right. As opposed to like just taking the kid aside, like going to the school and at lunch going, hey, buddy, leave my kid alone. She's not interested. Like this seems to me like a kind of almost like a stage mom way to address a, an issue in her kid's life, which I also feel like – and this is where we get into dangerous territory as one and a half men. I mean is this deeply traumatizing to the kid that she's got an annoying boy who has a crush on her? I mean that's – I'm sure we have a lot of female listeners going, well, that turns into something over time and uh, we shouldn't be living in a world where it's seen as cute when somebody is – giving somebody else unwanted attention. Uh, I would agree with all of that in principle, but I would also say like this just seemed to me like a way bigger production than was needed to just tell a kid, hey, why don't you lay off? Yeah, I would definitely say that she's what I would describe as an imperfect messenger because I think you're right. We don't have much of a leg to stand on as far as taking (laughs) down her delivery system. So all I can say about that, though, is... It is not to my taste. This kind of this style of production, which you usually see from these vloggers. I mean, do they still call them vloggers? Like, I feel, I really feel like I, it's 2002, and I'm trying to be cool by saying vlogger. Is that still the official or like YouTube star? Is that just what we call them now? I don't even know. I let, mean, let's say YouTube star. You're the one that signed up for Instagram in this friendship. You're more technologically savvy than I am. That is true. Instagram. I think you mean Snapchat, though. I, I have, That's probably I'm what both. I mean. Yeah, I, I honestly don't even really know the difference. So there you guys go. should seriously follow me on Instagram, though. It's Radio Free Walsh. Thanks for the setup on that. Um, I, you know, uh, this is often the style of a lot of these um, YouTube stars, where you know they're called vloggers, vloggers talking directly to the camera, and then that really kind of choppy um, editing. Yeah. Which that wasn't our terrible editing. That no. was the editing that uh, Doe Eyes chose, and that's very much the style of some of them. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like. 
I'm not going to necessarily say that she's wrong to put this out there. I think that her job or hobby or whatever it is, but her role as a YouTube person is to find areas of interest from her daily life and then address them as issues. I don't particularly like watching this. I get the impression that I don't really care for her that much, but you know, this as a legitimate topic for her, for her particular show is just as relevant is just as I guess reasonable as you and I picking this topic or your neighbor's fence or, or whatever it is. So I don't want to condemn her on that, but it because I just personally, for some reason, don't like her delivery. Like, for some reason, this video kind of raises my hackles a little bit. And I get the impression that I would not be a fan of her in real life. Um, I feel like she's definitely an imperfect messenger because I watch that and I find myself getting kind of defensive. As you know, our roles as, in One and a Half Men is you're more in the gray area on some of these things and then I always just kind of side with no matter how far left and, <laughs> and, and feminist you go, I feel like I'm always arguing from that perspective. But this particular issue, <clears throat> pardon me, this particular issue um, I'm struggling with a little bit more and I do wonder if part of it is because of the context with which it's being presented. I first started to hear this, and we, I don't know if you remember this. We actually talked about this issue a little bit on TBTL, and it was after those horrible um, Santa Barbara shootings. That, okay. the, do you remember the Santa Barbara shootings, yeah. of course, yeah, right. the, the murderer, the guy who went around killing people, had uh, written this manifesto, and it all seemed to be part and parcel with this idea that he had that there's all these beautiful women out there, but none of them will give him the time of day. And so he got um, he got the short end of the, the stick on that one, and, and that's why he had so much pent-up anger and everything, obviously a sick individual. But after that happened, there was a person, um, I can't remember who it is right now. I think it might have been the guy who um, was also on Jeopardy and had used some sort of uh, interesting Arthur Chu. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The guy who was he was totally kind remember. of ga- he was gaming the system. Okay, yes, uh, on Jeopardy. So you completely remember this. So Arthur Chu, as kind of as kind of a hero nerd at the time, who has had a lot of attention on him, wrote what I thought to be a pretty interesting essay, saying. You know, this idea that men um, really are entitled to a woman's attention is kind of reinforced by pop culture, everything from, um, you know, the Cusack movie Say Anything that you referenced earlier, um, where you just keep on pursuing, especially a boy or a man, you just keep pursuing, pursuing, pursuing a woman until um, finally she realizes how special you are and you get your chance to go on a date with her. Um, and his essay was somewhat flawed because he also, I think, tried to um, bring in too many different elements. He also brought in some just plain old, like, examples of, I think, assault in movies, like uh, Porky's or something like that, where men are really forcing themselves on women, which is, I think, different. All of that is to say that this is something that's been percolating up, I think, in the culture for a while now. And I struggle with it a little bit because I feel like it's being kind of, um, by those who see this as a very important issue, I feel like it's being talked about as a black and white issue. And you don't think it's about race? I I don't think it's, I don't think it's as much about race as some people say. I just think that if somebody is harassing you, then you are being harassed. And in some cases, that might be a guy who is not taking no for an answer. And that is definitely harassment. But 
I also speak as a guy who went to college so afraid of everything that I heard about um, the way men take advantage of women in college that I was scared to even kind of uh, acknowledge when women were talking to me and coming on to me, for lack of a better word. We've talked about that before. And, you know, you know, a girl like literally who I had a crush on, too, was just kind of like begging to like kind of spend the night in my dorm. And I was just kind of like, no, no, it's not right, because I had I had gone through this um, orientation process that made me really, really scared that anything I did to approach a girl would be uh, would be considered harassment. So I, I think that it's something that we should think about, especially if we have pop culture making movies and TV shows where guys just harass women and harass women, and then at the end it all pays off because the woman came around and now they're in love and the final scene is a wedding. I understand that that's a bad message to send, but I also think, you know, I don't know what's going on with this woman's daughter, but if we take it too far and it's kind of like the rule in society now is you're only allowed to ask a woman out once and anything after that is harassment, I think that could be moving too far in the opposite direction. I think it's probably dangerous to ever have some hard and fast rule that just says, but of course that's what we want because the problem is gray areas as they exist, particularly between men and women and how they interact. Like when is it okay to say something and, and when is it not okay to say something? It's, it's, it's maddening because it isn't a black and white thing and it isn't like you can just make a rule. And that's what all, that's why all these HR videos, everybody makes fun of the HR videos because they're so, they feel so inflexible and silly. And you can think of times where you've been with a person who you work with, who is maybe um, of the opposite sex and you guys have shared a joke and nobody has been offended, but it wouldn't have been okay under the official rules because you're trying to make a framework that, that just defines if it's okay or not. Okay. And, Things are much more kind of case by case, I think, uh, which then, of course, is used as an excuse too much of the time for right. guys being like, well, it was you. You had to be there. It wasn't that sort of thing. Here's this is actually where I'm sure many of our female listeners will start to really regret listening to this episode of the show. The, the comment that the doe eyes makes that I'm having a little bit of a harder time with understanding what the sort of logical extrapolation is, is she says her daughter has the right to change her mind. And if she does, then she'll, you know, she'll let you know. Now, of course, her daughter does have the right to change her mind. Everybody has the right to change their mind. But I'm thinking if you're the kid and you have a crush on someone and they're, they're allowed to not like you in this moment, but then later be like, actually, I do like you, which, by the way, also is a thing that totally happens in grade school and middle school and high school. Everybody is crazily fickle, boys and girls. It's like it feels to me like it's like that just – Again, I, I, in no universe would I ever say that the, the young lady doesn't have the right to change her mind. She absolutely has the right to change her mind. But it's sort of like when you say that, it just feels like, so, okay, is he allowed to check back in at any point and ask if the mind has been changed? Is it that he can't ever – this kid is probably super annoying, by the way, like the kid who's asking this girl out repeatedly. And by the way, to just bottle a little bit of the self-confidence that this kid has – and then clone it and then distribute it to Andrews's of the world. <laughs> I mean, just think about the think about the, actually that might be a bad thing. That would be a maybe bad idea. Would, Let's not bottle that because we don't need more of that guy. We don't need more. But maybe we, you need a little bit. You have maybe you have low whatever you call that low C uh, low confidence. Yeah. Give you a little confidence boost. I don't want to live in a world where you can go to a Seven Eleven and the um, and the um, 
cans of confidence are right next to the cans of monster energy drink. Okay. So I have to say, to start this off, that my inner Andrew was um, peaked in, in that I don't think any of this was true. Oh. Huh. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I didn't, think, I, I didn't think on those lines. And, um, but I mean, we can discuss it as if it were, but if it is real, it's wildly inappropriate. Um, because so first of all, these YouTubers, I think that's what they like to be called YouTubers. It's not vloggers (laughs) anymore. They don't call them vloggers anymore. No, I don't think so. (laughs) That was a stupid title anyways. But, um, I I think they're like YouTube celebrities. They call themselves YouTubers. Um, That's what the kids call them anyway these days. Um, So this mom comes on her YouTube channel that seems to have a ton of subscribers and says, hey, boy, who keeps harassing my daughter, you should stop doing that because she keeps saying no and you keep writing her poems and you keep asking her out and it's not appropriate. It's harassment. And you should, you should stop. Um, and then, so she basically wanted to make it a viral video. If this were actually happening, she should have taken the correct steps, which are for her and her daughter to go into the school and talk to an administrator and say, Hey, this is happening. This is happening in class. This is happening on the bus. This is, this is the way to get it to stop. But putting out a viral video, I know teenage girls, what this if this was happening, what would happen is ever this becomes viral, all the teenagers see it, and then the girls start saying, "Yeah, right, you're ugly. No boy is is asking you out," and then it becomes worse. It becomes a bigger bullying problem. Mm-hmm. That's my two cents. I, I I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I I I I I think that this was a, a, a real lack of judgment on the mom's part. You know, to kind of like you know, she was thinking of her. Her YouTube uh, a celebrity yeah. uh, put that before her daughter, and that was yes, that was bad news. It's girl. I mean, just even putting up is I know it's controversial, but putting up pictures of your kids like potty training on your Facebook, like oh look, they pooped in the potty. That kid is going to be a sixteen-year-old girl at some point, and the internet is forever. That's embarrassing mm-hmm. and terrible. So putting up this video instead of taking the proper, if her daughter's being harassed, sexual harassment is real. It happens in the schools all the time. This is not the correct way to go about it. No. And I also feel that besides being ineffective and possibly harmful, I think it's harmful to this boy potentially as well. Um, and most of these cases of harassment are not nefarious. He's just some dumb 13-year-old who likes her daughter and is in still in like the pigtail pulling stage mm-hmm. of his life. And to make him sort of the villain and have this open letter directed towards him, um, she's an adult and he's mm-hmm. a child and he has no way to respond to this or participate in it. She has all the power and this boy has none of the power. And I, it just made me feel kind of ooky about it. Yeah, it's, it's like an she's, adult she's bullying pick- a child. Yeah, she's totally picking on him. And that, of course, 
if if your spidey sense is wrong <laughs> then then that would be a real thing and if it's not a real thing then that's just totally gross and if i were the parents if the, if this is real and i were the parents of that boy i would be so angry at an adult bullying my child cuz they didn't mm-hmm. do the proper the the proper things that you do to report this right and i wonder yes. if they, i wonder if they could even take legal action against her for her for harassment i don't know she's pretty she say names. she's pretty general yeah no names or anything but i don't yeah, know that's true. and that's true. and i agreed with andrew that um she was definitely an imperfect messenger however mm-hmm. uh worthwhile the statement was i just found her sort of personally off-putting besides what she was actually doing i guess just being shallow and not particularly yes. liking her her presentation of it. No, I mean anyone who's putting this business out to try to become viral. I what I think she should have said is just, "Hey, two boys out there, mm-hmm. this is not okay." And then it would have been a better message. Her message would have been better received. Right, yeah. The open letter thing is totally weird. She she could have said, hey guys, I want to talk today about harassment and consent. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. when uh, interest turns into harassment and all that stuff. She could have done it. She could have even used this as an example, I think. But making it directed to the boy is where she goes really wrong. Right. And I mean... And maybe even I would give this a pass if she went through the proper channels and it didn't work. And then she could say, I'm so mad because this is happening and I went to the school and they did nothing and I went to the principal and they did nothing. And this is the only outlet that I have for this. Then this would be an okay message. But that's that's not what happened. She wanted to... She wanted this to become famous and for all the moms out there to say, oh, yeah, you're right. Me too. Go get them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so the two areas for discussion um, for this clip are are one, this sort of act of making the YouTube video. Right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the second thing is the actual um, the actual harassment and consent idea and i was pretty impressed with both both luke and andrew on this one i thought that they they did a good job of um sort of saying yeah this is a tough one this is i mean dating is so weird Mm -hmm. that it's uh, it's again so context driven it's how 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 is a a dumb 13 year old boy supposed to know I mean, how's a how's a dumb twenty-two-year-old girl supposed to know any of this stuff? Right. It it is it is sticky, and and like, um, she even said, "Oh, and she can change her mind at any time," which is true. Mm-hmm. You can change, but I mean, you have crushes on people all the time, and they don't even know you exist, and then all of a sudden, oh, hey, there you are. You know, so it is it is really difficult, especially when you're a teenager and you're full of hormones and you don't really know what to do with that situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, kids, boys at that age are still like snapping bras. Right. <laughs> and um, making inappropriate uh, comments about 
girls' boobs. Not that I'm speaking from experience or anything <laughs> like that, but eighth grade, that was a great year. Oh, <laughs> yeah, my my experience, I was just too nervous and shy at the time. So, you know, I would, I would like, I could barely talk to a girl without stammering, you know. So it was, it, it, you know, it, from that point of view, from somebody who wasn't, you had a lot of anxiety and, you know, wasn't particularly confident, you know, that was a minefield just, just being around girls, you know? So, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't, I didn't even express my anxiety by making dumb comments or snapping bras. I couldn't even do that. I, w I wouldn't even have thought to do that. I'm just not that type of person, but yeah. you know, um, but what about as a teacher? You probably saw this happening, right? Yeah. You I was going to say, Christy, Bob didn't snap any bras as a teacher. <laughs> I would hope not. Uh, that would have been the end of my teaching career yeah. real fast, let me tell you. Um, no, I did see some. You would see with the younger kids, especially the ninth. You know, I taught in high school. So the ninth graders were still, you know, like the girls and guys would like hit each other. To see, and that was the mm -hmm. way they showed yep. they liked each other. You know, yep. um, th there was what happened was at, later on as the kids get older uh, especially girls, they would fight, you know, and, and that was like physically, physically fight. fight. And, and oh, let man. me tell you something. I would rather break up a boy fight than a girl fight any day because <laughs> you get in the middle of the girl fight, which I have, you get kicked, you get bitten, scratched. Oh, yep. If they're that angry, you know, um, they've lost control at that point. Mm. If they're that angry, guys, I think, want you to stop because they want you to stop them because I think they know they can physically really hurt each other. Right. So you can like – like I think I, I, I shared the story. I was 10 of the week and I shared the story about getting in the middle of a fight and picking up the guy who was like 6'2 and throwing him off the other kid <laughs> probably just from pure adrenaline. But you know, I don't think that kid would have let me do that if he wanted really to keep fighting. And guys tend to, well, in general, tend to not do that. But once a girl starts a physical fight, they're they're like they're completely operating on their hind brain, you know. So it it's it, they really are not. There's no rational control there. So it's it it I, it blew me away how many girls would really start to mix things up with other girls, you know. Hmm. I never would have even considered it. Different era. <laughs> of course, I didn't need to. I mean, there are some advantages to being someone who is head and shoulders taller than everybody else <laughs> is that nobody's going to come after me because they're not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Girls always tried to beat me up or say they were going to, um, but I, it never had a physical fight. Hmm. Yeah, You could have taken them. People hated me. Well, I, I was, Aww. I was a kind of a loud, obnoxious kid. <laughs> Are you surprised? And <laughs> I, so I, you know, little Bobby Stein walking through the high school, you know, I was like yapping away and some senior would, you know, come up and like shove me into an open locker. I can't tell you how many times that happened to me, but eventually I learned to, uh, to kind of like keep my eyes over, uh, around me and keep my conversation down so I wouldn't get shoved into the lockers. But uh, so th that's the kind of stuff that would happen to me. It was kind of typical, more, you know, kind of like, <laughs> oh, this kid's annoying. Let me do something, you know? 
Well, I like what you said about how you were, um, it's not that you picked on girls. It's just that you didn't even know how to talk to them at all. And that, of course, makes me think of Andrew mm. because Andrew is just the champion of that all the way into college, having a woman <laughs> basically say, I want to get with you. Yo, and he's so afraid. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I think it's time for you to go home. <laughs> Poor or, what was it? Time for the obligatory kiss. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I still like hide my face whenever he says that story. It's so embarrassing. One of the most cringeworthy stories of yes. all time from anyone ever. Oh. And I commend him for telling that. I know. Me story. too. I also love Luke's story where the girl comes to his house and is massaging his back. And he's saying, I wonder if she'll give me a sign if she wants me to kiss her. <laughs> I told you. If only I could have a sign. I told you. I, um, I, I remember this kind of stuff happening to me and I was so clueless, you know, I mean, like a, a, a girl would come up and, and pretty much just almost sit in my lap. And I would think to myself, should I kiss her now? I'm really not sure. <laughs> you know, I, it's just, you really, you're really afraid to put yourself out there. You're really afraid, you know, and you don't have the confidence and it's, uh, it, it, it takes a while. Not to Not because you're a gentleman. That's the yes. reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, either that or just, you know, like racked with anxiety, you know. <laughs> right. Both. I think part of it is probably fear of rejection, right? Yes. But then part of it is is fear of doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Like Andrew was talking about that he'd had all the whatever seminars or, or whatever <laughs> is that he was just terrified to do something that might signal to a woman that he was a creep. I know. I love that. Um, I can't have a girl in my room, even as a friend, or she might get date raped. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> There's a lot of steps in between. <laughs> yeah, but I can't. I, he brought, he brought up this, um, this essay bit by Arthur Chu, the Jeopardy guy, mm -hmm. which I did read back at the time, which was very interesting about how pop culture tells men that they deserve a woman, mm -hmm. that no matter how, um, awesome an action hero he is or how big of a nerd or a loser it's that through the movie or the tv show you just you do the thing and then you get the girl and the girl is your reward and no matter if she disliked you at the beginning at the end you're going to end up with the girl because that is what happens and that so many young men have internalized that message that when that doesn't happen it really causes a lot of disconnect for them which I think is really interesting. Um, we were having a conversation the other day about how um, you should always date the nerds because the nerds are not going to cheat and they're going to be um, happy to be with you. I think Meredith was saying that that was a piece of advice that she'd gotten. And my experience is that sometimes the nerds can go bad. Like mm -hmm. there's a small subset of nerds that have... And I say, look, I'm pretty nerdy myself, so I'm not saying nerds with any kind of disdain. I mean, these are my people. But there are the certain type of of 
boy who maybe like Andrew is just terrified to talk to girls and uh, they and then they they come to the end of their movie or whatever and they don't get the girl and Andrew really turned that inward I think that he didn't get the girl because there was something wrong with him but there are some men that will turn it outwards onto the women and say that I didn't get the girl because women are all bitches and women are all shallow and women always go for the bad boy and yada, yada, yada. And, and I that's have seen why some, 4chan exists. Yep. I've seen some pretty <laughs> poisonous misogyny, especially at the college level of, uh, of guys that you would consider that nerdy type who really hate women because they feel that they're not getting what they deserve. So yep. now now that's when things start to get scary with the whole idea of persistence and consent. That's that's where it can go really, really bad for women. And and I wish that I could remember the attribution properly. But there's that thing that's been going around the Internet recently that that said that the men's biggest fear in dating is rejection and that women's biggest fear is that he's going to kill you. Yeah. Which is really a true thing. It's- it's true. It's and it's so I mean, look at most of the school shootings that we've had in the recent past are usually either about bull- being bullied, people mm-hmm. on the fringes being bullied or being rejected by women. Mhm. It's, it's never the big man on campus no, that comes in never, and yeah, never the popular jock for some reason. I mean, mm-hmm. he'll date rape you all the time, but he's not going <laughs> to shoot you. Yeah, he- <laughs> He's not exactly a prince. No. <laughs> so I no, think and that's, I mean, that's what makes this so, so tricky is that it's such a gray area of these poor, dumb, young teenage guys who are just trying to get a girl at girl's attention. And then on the other end of the spectrum, just something horrible that can happen. And how does anybody deal with that? And you can't make a black and white rule that's going to apply to everybody. Yeah, I, I, I think it's really tough, especially as, as kids get into, as students get into college. Um, I, I am so glad I am not of that age now. I think I would have, <laughs> I would have just dropped out and going to community college or become a commuter student. I couldn't imagine living, living on college nowadays because the amount of confusion and fear and, uh, um, you know, this whole atmosphere that is, is now on the college campus is, is terrible. I, I don't think anybody benefits from it. Uh, and, and, um, you know, this whole thing, it seems like, you know, a, a some kids, not everybody, but some kids, you know, seem to, they're, the only way they're able to get intimate or have sex is to get drunk. And that's their only experience with um, um, intimacy with with another person. And um, uh, it just, I don't know, it just seems like this this really, like a real dismal landscape where nobody knows how to behave and nobody... Nobody knows what's what's right, and you know, is nobody's come up with any kind of um, rules, I guess, or rules that are that are agreed upon by everybody. And then you know, you have all these different cultures 
where, you know, there's, there's drinking involved and, you know, there's predatory behavior. And it's just, it, it would make me, I, I, I would hate being there. Mm -hmm. Me too. I would hate to be in high school with Facebook being Uh, a thing. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't even imagine. Absolutely. And I mean, like I, even back when I went to college a million years ago, I chose my school because there was no fraternity system. As mm. soon as you add a Greek system into it, there's a higher chance of you being raped on campus. And that's terrible. Yeah. 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 yeah my way to deal with that was that I, I never went to a fraternity party and I, w- I know, but- will say that I know plenty of really nice fraternity guys. Right. Um, Boy, but there's something weird about when they get into a group. Yes. That pack mentality yep. takes over in a way. And the binge drinking really... and yep. the pack mentality for sure. Absolutely. Well, so do we think that this Doe Eyes video uh, helps this situation or hurts it? Or does it even affect it at all? I mean, did she accomplish anything? Well, um, I think that it's good that it's out there. That that Because I don't think that maybe this is something that people saw persistence in asking someone out as being harassment and and potentially scaring someone and bullying them so yes as a concept that should be out there and that should be taught to boys and girls this is this is not okay but i think this specific one no yeah i would agree i i think it's it it, it it's theoretically i, I I have to agree with Christy. It's theoretically more hurtful for her daughter, you know, that, that at the time that she put this out, you know, with, with, with all the social media stuff, her daughter could be bullied unbelievably. And I just, I, I just think once again, the mom really was using this as a way to, to get more hits. And, uh, it, I, I don't think on, on any level, I don't think it was very helpful. Agreed. Boo Doe Eyes. <laughs> oh, definitely. Anyway, <laughs> and, and the minute I heard her name Doe Eyes, I wanted to like punch her. I know. Yes. And, and then, the, you know, after listening to the clip, I was right with Andrew. It was like, this woman really puts me off. You know, I just, it, yep. it just, I, I, I just felt my shoulders tense up. I was like, ugh, you know. And I was back and forth. I want to go watch other of her videos, but I don't want to give her the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you do that? I don't know if you can do that. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Should we move on to a little bit of housekeeping? Housekeeping. Sure. <laughs> you listen to the show, Bob. Who, me? <laughs> We don't have too much out of the ordinary in housekeeping today. The archive raffle contest is still going on. We've beat that horse to death, but um, we still it's have, working. Uh, I, we have that's awesome. At that's, least four people have signed up, and a lot of people are are starting to turn in their their days and their weeks. Excellent, and there are still like four or five wagons full of loot up for grabs. And so you can win yourself some of that sweet, sweet swag. Just keep turning in those uh, archived episodes, and we really appreciate it. Um, please remember, if you're shopping on Amazon, and I know you are, to check out our link, uh, littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon, and throw us a few pennies through your purchases. We appreciate that as well. 
And as always, send us your throw your phone moments. And we've said before, throw your phone. You don't have to be upset. I mean, that seems to be what gets people motivated. But you can send us any great, um, I don't know, what's the opposite of throw your phone? Cradle your phone lovingly <laughs> moments? <laughs> any any attaboys? Send some put-ups for Luke and Andrew, yep. too. That would be great. One put up, and one put down. Exactly. <laughs> like well, Yelp. We, We'd love to um, share them on the show. That'd be great. And Christy, why don't you tell people how they can get involved with the show? All right. Our website is littleredbandwagon.com. You can find us on uh, the Facebook page or um, contributing to the Stens page sometimes. Our Twitter is at LRB Podcast. Uh, Bob, do you want people to find you? Uh, sure. They can friend me on Facebook. I, I do have a Twitter handle and I don't remember what it is cause I'm like never on there. So they can uh, drop a friend request. I'll, I'll usually, uh, confirm it uh, pretty quickly and, uh, the more friends, the better. Can people find you on Facebook now that you've changed oh, your name? Yes, that's right. And, and I have to exp explain this. Um, I wanted to change my name because I'd been feeling this way. I wanted to change my name to Grumpy, my first name, Old, my middle name, and Liberal, my last name. But Facebook changed its rules, so they wouldn't let me do that. So I had to change my name as now G Grumpy Old Dash Liberal. So good luck with that, folks. Look for Grumpy Old Liberal or Bob Stein. And either he's one. friends with. He's friends with us, so you can find him that way, yep. too. Absolutely. Um, okay. And email us your moments, um, good or bad, or whatever, uh, littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. And please send us voicemails. We're getting tons of funny voicemails and texts to 802-432-8285. Um, and if you're thinking about it, send us some iTunes reviews. We don't have very many, but we should start reading the funny ones. You don't, um, you don't have to write anything nice, but give us five stars <laughs> <laughs> if you like the show, right? Or even if you don't, yeah, even if you don't, just do it. <laughs> um, Bob, thank you so much for joining us. This was so much fun to have you. Oh, on. I appreciate it, uh, ladies. Uh, this was great. I, I just, I love you guys. You're fabulous, and and you you guys do a great show and. I'm I'm so honored to be a part of it. it. It's a lot of fun. I'd do this again in a flash. All right, we'll hold you to Thank that. You. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> maybe Christy, when you I'm... maybe when you win your wagons full of loot, because uh, Bob is a great archivist. He's done many many weeks. But mm -hmm. slowing down. <laughs> slowing. Down. That's how it is for all of us. Yeah. I'm like, I'm putting in like one episode every about two weeks these days. We'll get there. At least I don't not yeah. do it. You know, I don't like take exactly. a week and, and leave it lie there like a dead exactly. fish. You know? Exactly. Every episode counts. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely it does. Slowly chipping away. Well, Christy, why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party. And we love you, Jen. Nailed it. This is a man's world. This is a man's world. But it wouldn't be nothing, nothing without a woman or a girl. 
By the way, I don't know, maybe you can use this during the show, but I just want Ann to know that there are no penis fingers here, no dick digits. Thank you. No dick digits. I wash my hands <laughs> dick digits. after I leave the bathroom. Thank you very much. Good. Before I leave. Good. Yes. I was. All I ask is that we make an effort. <laughs> <laughs>